You're listening to episode 108 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. My name is Eli. Listeners, welcome back. We are excited to rope in yet one more of the uh, ethnicities in the North Caucasus into our, our probably our favorite long-standing series of In Their Own Words. Absolutely. Today we're going to be talking about the Dargeen, which is super cool, really wonderful and important people group. So we're going to be getting to that in just a few minutes. Yes. Um, Eli, I, I have a feeling some of our listeners, I don't know what they think of my and your relationship, but I have a feeling some of them think like you and I talk all the time, but <laughs> on, on, like we're actually when we friends? lived... When we lived in the same city, we definitely hung out a good amount. But now that we've been, you know, doing this virtually in different places for so so long, long. we'll even, this might sound as a shock to some people, but we'll, we'll do like a three hour recording session. And then, you know, my wife will ask me, well, uh, how's Eli's wife doing or what happened with their kids with this? And I have no personal information from you to pass on to them. I, <laughs> because I don't, we just I don't think that's a surprise done. to anyone who knows you at all, Andrew. <laughs> not because you're a bad dude. You know, you're a great guy, but like, yeah, it that's not normally what you ask about. So um, uh, but since, since you didn't ask, my wife and kids are great. Well, but what I'm getting at <laughs> is you've been living in Tbilisi, Georgia for several months now. And we actually haven't got to talk about what your experience has been like. So give us, you know, you've lived in the North Caucasus. You lived in Pitigorsk as well as Mahachkala. Give us some of your initial impressions of the South Caucasus of Tbilisi and Georgia. We've really enjoyed it. There are a lot of things that are very similar. The beauty of nature, the hinkal and hachipuri, like these local foods. The Georgian hinkali are really very different and uh-huh. really amazing. They're, they're the ones, they're the dumplings that swirl up on the top and they come yes. to a little point. Actually, Andrew, you might appreciate this. I, there, there's a product that they sell, which is a little hinkal holder. And it's a little cylinder of plastic that is split down the middle. So it opens like a, like a little alligator jaw and you, yeah. you hold it. And you put it on top of this little nub of dough on the top of the big dumpling, and you squeeze it, and then you pick up the dumpling so you don't have to get your fingers dirty. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And, and it is a, a messy dish to eat. There's a so video. That is practical. Of uh, there's like a product video, and it's so funny because it's a guy standing at a table, but it's cropped right at the bottom of his head, so you don't see his face at all. You just see a hand like reach in with napkins, and his hand goes up, and it's like no, no, and shakes his finger and pushes the napkins away, and then reaches <laughs> for his collie holder. Um, but I would say that there are a lot of differences. I mean, I could go on and okay. on. One of the most visible differences to me, and this is in you know in no way derisive to my beloved Georgian friends, in in the Caucasus and particularly in Dagestan, you know the men have mass on their chests and arms, and uh-huh. maybe it's because of our latitude being a little lower and more southern, but that mass on men, for the most part in Georgia, tends to be a little bit lower. On their bodies, not so much arms and chests as tummies, which is to say uh-huh. that <laughs> there's a different sort of ethos of physical fitness <laughs> in, 
Georgia than in the North Caucasus. I'm not saying all the, all the okay. Georgian guys, are, you know, but but they they tend to be more like more like hobbits than um. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like they like to eat. They like to. Oh. Am I going about this the wrong way? <laughs> you know, I asked. So, <laughs> so, so there's a lot more people are a lot more relaxed about what they eat, and I think uh, you know how they look. The you know, there's all in both places, but that that was one thing I noticed. Just just kind of walking around the streets. That's one difference. Well, even by that by that description, I mean. I'm not overweight by any shape of the imagination, but if you're talking about upper body mass, I may fit in well better in Georgia than in Dagestan. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people do, and that's not a bad thing. I just, uh, I just often had the feeling walking around like Dagestan, like, man, these guys, how long do they spend, you know, at the gym or whatever? Sculpting. Sculpting, I guess so. Um, well, so the food, speaking of Dagestan, yeah, the yeah. the things I I could probably go. I feel like that shouldn't be the only thing I say about the differences. Let me let how me about, try for one Tbilisi, more. The, the, how about Tbilisi, the city you're in? I mean, yeah, yeah. What could you say about T- that? Tbilisi has this is just all by observation, but I think that they have very obviously set out to be a global destination. They uh-huh. have a lot of the markings of a city that is on the map, wants to be on the map. They've got creative, surprising um, architecture in their downtown buildings. They've got a lot of bridges. Some of them are sort of uh, curvilinear and futuristic, and some are stately and and beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I would say the thing about Tbilisi is, it, I would not be the first person to use this word with the city, but it is eclectic. Like it defines eclectic, where you've got, uh-huh. you know, okay. old crumbly buildings next to next to glass walled, you know, office buildings. You've got all kinds of art and express mixture. It's all like really mixed. Not to mention the huge oh. amount of expats here. So it's a very eclectic, fun um, city to be in um, that has a lot to offer just in one city. So that's Tbilisi. I like it, but I really miss the North Caucasus. I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we, you mentioned Dagestan and, um, in, com- in describing Georgia and comparing it to it, <laughs> uh, we're going to get a fantastic look into the Dargin or Dargwa people today in the North Caucasus. Welcome to the show, Saida from Dagestan. Welcome, Saida. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm Saida from Dagestan. It's nice to be here with you. Glad, glad to have you. Yes, Saida. So we're talking about uh, your nationality t- today, which is the Dargin nationality. Does that make you, by default, a Darginka? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh-huh. a Darginka because my father is Dargin and my mother is also. They are from different uh, regions and they have a little bit different dialects, but still I'm Dargin. What dialects okay. do your parents speak? Uh, so my father speaks... Uh, his dialect, he's from Kaitakski region, ah. district, and yeah, and uh, his language is different from my mother's language. Uh, my mother is from the Hadar district, and her dialect, uh, sub-dialect is Huduts. Right. Huduts, Huduts. Uh, sub-dialect, and uh, Sirhinsky dialect. So, and they are different. That's why my parents, they seldom use language at home. 
I know uh, language due to my granny. Really? Always used to talk to me using, yes, Dagi language. That's Does she speak kind of the, the chisti, like the pure Dargin language or one of those dialects? Uh, no, no. I, you know, also, it's a question, disputable question. What ah. is a pure Dargin language? <laughs> there, there are 17 dialects in Dagen. Yes. And about 70 sub-dialects or idioms in Dagen. Wow. And of course, there is one language that dialect that is supposed to be like classical literature uh-huh, right. but but right. it doesn't mean that it's pure is that akushinsky oh uh, yes yes it's so, supposed oh. to be literature and when you go Very to nice. school yes you studied at school my son he studies uh, native language at school and of course he uh, doesn't understand why at school <laughs> so some right. words are different right. and at home uh-huh. granny and grandfathers they use different words okay. but i explained to him of course all right so well, Saida, we I, I mentioned to you before we interviewed a uh, <laughs> a, a gentleman magomed who yeah, is yeah. kaitag and he was very firm that Kaitag is not a dialect of Dargin, that it's its own separate language. In fact, so he we're showed gonna... us linguistic, I... linguistic yeah. maps to, to prove his point. They look so like bubbles. We're not, we're not yeah, going yeah, yeah. down that they, trail. They say that uh, Dago, Dargin um, nation, nationality, started with Kaitags. Ah. Kaitags or Kaitags. They are the most ancient. And you know, there was in the Middle Ages, there was a state, feudal state called mm. Kaitag Utsmistwa. Utsmistra oh, wow. is like a state. Yes, it joined different sub-states and uh, it had a great importance at that time uh, and um, it survived a lot of epochs and conquerors, invaders, tribes. Right. Then Mirlan came to this place right. and sla- slaughtered population mm. and yeah. uh, uh, also um, they, uh, you know, they changed their religion in the uh, 14th century. Before, they used to be pagans, some of them mm-hmm. Christians, mm-hmm. and uh, they became Muslims later. Okay. Ara- Arabic, okay. Arabic people came to Dagestan in the 8th century, but okay. Dagestan people, they became Muslims later. But so, in spite right, of right. this, their culture and, uh, is quite rich and uh, unique. So, Saida, one thing that we note on our podcast often, especially when we speak with locals, is that <laughs> as soon as we start talking about culture, we just we go back a thousand years right away, <laughs> deep into the history, and you just did it <laughs> just like that. It's wonderful. So I wanted to mention this, too, that you said, Andrew, we, we interviewed this young man. He's Kaitag. And I, I, I want to clarify for our listeners, I think I think you're comfortable with this, but Andrew and I are not arbitrating, you know, <laughs> what what is being said, and there are different views and claims. Just just like you j- really beautifully said, Saida. Like I'm not sure that this is the pure Dargin, but some people say that it's this, or some people say that. That is the dance. That's the the conversation. Um, but the Dagestan I, dance. But I want our, our listeners to know, like, oh. Well, if you interviewed a Kaitag and it's in the Dargwa language family, why are you interviewing a Dargin? That's exactly why. Because there are different, um, you know, really different related but different um, kind of centers of I- identification and identity. So it's really fascinating. I've chosen my mother's language because uh-huh. I know it better. 
because I used to be with my granny from Mars because old people, they know a lot. Uh, right. Old songs, ancient songs, uh, traditions, proverbs, some quotes, and uh, like a mixture of wisdom. And I wanted uh, to keep it all. My uh, father's dialect uh, is in, in this, may, no, maybe not in the center of attention, but it was paid attention to. But my mother's dialect, uh, it wasn't... Uh, research that's why i mm. did a research about this and i have a thesis and i protected it and got uh, a degree in theology okay wow. so can you maybe you said it what is the name of your mother's dialect uh -huh. okay uh, its name is hudutz dialect of the uh, hudutski hudutski yes i've never heard of that so, nor wow. have i uh, yeah it's uh it's uh if in Dagestan it's not far from Kubachi. Okay. I think maybe uh -huh. you heard about Kubachi. Sure. Yes. yes. But it's also different from Kubachi. You know, if talking about different uh Dagens, uh Kaitaks, they are supposed to be like uh, separate Dagens. And also Kubachi. Mm -hmm. Kubachin uh, village also they are a little bit different from other Duggins. Mm -hmm. And they say we are not Duggins, we are Kubachins, we are special. So. <laughs> Which, and uh, and know, really, really, in... their language is different. I listen to different dialects, and when I listen to Kubachins, I understand only maybe 30%, because oh, wow. it's quite different. Yeah. But did you say that, that the, the Khudutski has its own kind yeah. of dances and stuff? Its own style of dance, uh, yeah. its own proverbs and all we those have, things? Uh, we have uh, songs. I mean, our songs, dances, it's similar to maybe some other villages because sure. anyway, we share traditions. Yes. But we have yeah. unique traditions, especially wedding. You know that uh, when I used to be at the wedding of my cousin in the village, I uh, met some foreigners that came to our village and they were surprised that still we keep our traditions of the weddings and uh, dances and they stayed for two days to look at all this huh what was, uh, what was that like for oh, you and for oh go ahead what was it like for you and for your friends and family to have foreigners at the wedding for two days was that fine or was it awkward uh, for me, it was uh, it was it was nice. Of course, our local people they were shocked that foreigners come and get interested um, <laughs> into our traditions, oh. and they used to look at me at them because they couldn't understand them. They were French. I tried to talk French with them. I know it a little bit. Then we changed into English, and all my uh, local villagers they took photos and they were happy <laughs> that they were paid so much attention to. Mm. And uh, with big cameras, foreigners come. And wow. uh, that's really nice that uh, our local people, they try to keep traditions and other people, they try to come and admire it and uh, pay attention to this. It's also really valuable. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. That's neat. So, Saida, uh, we need to back up just a little bit here and then we'll dive in deeper. So you mentioned, it sounds like you've done some linguistic research yeah. uh, of these languages, but I mean, the, the way we met was uh, at this tourism, tourism conference on Dagestan uh, as a part of this chat group. Mm -hmm. So, and then it seems like, tell us a little about your background. Do you work in tourism? 
Are you a linguist okay. by, by profession? Uh, so my first profession is a teacher and teaching at the Degison State University at the economic faculty. Uh-huh. And um, I've been teaching since uh, 20, 21 years old, so my whole life. And still oh, yeah. I'm teaching. And uh, six years ago, I've got my second education in tourism because I, right. I'm fond of traveling and I've always wanted to travel more. And I thought it would be nice to join my two jobs, to be a guide deal with foreign people and yeah. use my my languages i know english uh, french intermediate and i'm learning bless you also italian because oh. i've collaborated why i've collaborated with italian uh, tourism touristic company and my friend uh-huh. he brought to dagestan to caucasus italian spanish uh, retired people okay. and also i've started with the uh, them. It was my first experience with big oh. groups with foreigners. When so, was that roughly? Like, what year did did they start coming from Italy and Spain? Uh, so yes, they used to come, but before lockdown, of course, after sure, lockdown, sure, sure. you know, nowadays it's hard. Yes, they came, and a few groups came, and I uh, showed them around here. And uh, wow. That's very we cool. had excursions in Mahachkala and some other places in Durban. Um, by the way, I was born in Durban, in huh. one of the most ancient city in Russia. Yes, right. It's about yeah, and today, you, yeah, yeah, you live yeah. In I've been living in Kaspersk for thirteen years. I like this town. It's nice. It's on the sea coast. It's not big and noisy, and um, it's really cute. Mm-hmm. I've been living in Mahachkala too, and outside. Uh, Dagestan for 17 years too, in other part of Russia. Uh-huh. That's why I've been traveling yeah. wow. during my life. Yeah, gotcha. So tell us, let, let's start with the Dargin people. Uh, we know that uh, Dagestan has many nationalities. Yeah, uh, about, about you know, 30. Mm-hmm. Right, they say anywhere from 30 to 50 or even more. Yeah. Um, Dargins, I know, are one of the larger uh, Second. kind of Second. nationalities. Great. Mm-hmm. So what is unique? Tell us a little about the Dargin nationality. What is kind of distinctives about the Dargins? What's unique about them? Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. Okay. And first of all, yes, as you said, it's uh, quite big. Uh, ever the first nation, Dargin is the second. We have, uh, on the whole, in Dagestan, there are more than 4,000 Dargin people. 400,000, uh, right? Yes, 400,000. Yeah, yeah. And um, what does it mean, Dagen? Dagen, it means uh, like inside. And actually, they live inside the Dagestan, mostly in the mountains mm. and in the foothills. Okay. Uh, so what is unique about our people? Uh, it's really hard to, to say it. <laughs> of course, words. of course. <laughs> I, I can say a lot. Uh, so, like, of course, other nationalities, we have our special people that make them, uh, make them um, unique. But first of all, we have a, a history. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, since uh, old time, we have history. Uh, so, Kaitak, I mentioned Kaitak. Uh, ghost uh, village, Kalakarish. It's a really unique place. Uh, right. It there was um, there was built a mosque in the 18th century by the Arabic people, and for a long time it was a center of Kaitak Utsmista, Kaitakska Utsmista. So our people they are famous first of all from my point of view for their talents, gifts. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. For their crafts, they have a lot of different crafts, yes. not only kubachi. Kubachi is famous for their silver. Uh, but uh, if talking about kaitak, kaitak is famous for its uh, ancient embroidery. Yes. You know that uh-huh. uh, I'm even having embroidery on my oh wow lap. on your bag. Yes, yeah. on my on my shopper mm-hmm. on my bag. And I took it and put it here. Uh, it's mm. really ancient thing. And the interesting thing is that it became famous due to a foreigner, due to a British um, ancient um, scientist, scientist Robert Chensian. In 1993, he wrote uh-huh. a book about Kaitaka embroidery. He came here. Uh, he um, told uh, local people, it's unique. Why don't you... Uh, tell about this to the whole world. And due to him, nowadays, it's really popular and our Keltak um, embroidery um, exhibitions were in France and in some other countries. Okay. And still nowadays, they are keeping it and you can go to Madjalis, to the center of Keltakski district and uh, attend this center uh, where they have uh, different kinds of embroideries and look at the show um, show class and um, mm-hmm. also try to do it and uh, great it's uh, next handicraft but not only there of course uh, Dagen people they create beautiful things mm-hmm. uh, in some other villages for example Gabshuma it's in Akushinsky district they okay. also uh, do such things and you know interesting thing is that they um, argue who, who was ah, the beginner? They argue who was yes. the beginner. And I went, I went uh, to... I can't school. imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gapshimas uh, villagers, they say that we started with embroidery, with this uh, unique <laughs> things, and they say, no, we. And this embroidery, they um, reflect um, old history, mm. ancient history. And they be, before, you know, the Dagen people, they used to be pagans and they show their pagans, maybe some solar elements mm-hmm. and that they used to have. Uh, because uh, after uh, becoming a Muslim, of course, uh, everything changed. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, in Islam, it's not good to uh, show people or animals in or artwork, some right, to depict life things. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. But this in, in this old uh, embroideries, uh, so they uh, show they presented animals and some other things. And yeah. uh, these things, they had some magic meaning, ritual meaning. Uh-huh. And uh, they used uh, these embroideries uh, when um, a baby was born for mm. a wedding, for some special occasions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that even there are some researches and books about Kaitak embroidery. I'm reading one now. Wow. Oh, wow. Trying cool. to get deep into my history and my roots. <laughs> Who That's wrote awesome. that book? Is it a Russian scholar? Uh, so, yes, it's in Russian. And uh, so it was written by a scientist from Dagestan. Ah, okay. He's a, histo- he's a historian. Wonderful. Because uh, in Dagestan, we live uh, on history. Just we should dig, 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 and dig with yeah. a lot of archaeologists, especially in Durban, as local uh, scientists in Durban say, even uh, in the fortress Narinkala, there are 10 meters uh, under that you should uh, just look for some old things. Wow. And that's why a, a lot of things that are not discovered and um, we have a lot of things that we should know. And I'm doing it all the time. 
So when you say that, um, uh, I thought I heard you say the embroideries were um, records of history. Did you say something like that? Like the embroidery uh, was a kind of history? Yes, yes, yes. It shows uh, pre- previous, uh, some previous uh, traditions, cultures, because I people, see. they, uh, yes, they created um, pictures right. of something that, right. yes, they wanted to get. They, for example, so some solar uh, elements uh, they were to get more harvest. Uh-huh, Some yeah. other elements they uh, they show they like a wish to a girl to be happier and to have many children. So let me so ask a question that's maybe more difficult. Let me go right for it. Uh-huh. Um, so you're you're a researcher. You're researching your history uh, and your heritage of your language. People. Le- language, yes. History okay. just for myself. Okay. Yes, and language. I'm philologist. I see. Well, when, as, as uh, scholars research these things today, and you look back seeking kind of, like you said, Dagestanis are always built on history and going back and going back and digging deeper. Today, how is it balanced? The Islamic influence, for example, that rejects certain parts of the historical um, practices of your people and then the part, the historical part that says, okay, these, this is what our people used to do. Um, how is that, is that balanced? Uh, do you understand my question? Like, is there a tension uh, there between uh, celebrating the uh, old things and with the Islamic, um, the Islamic mm, sensibilities? Influence. Influence, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course, especially recently, a lot of people, they are becoming more and more religious, ah, especially yeah. after splitting of Soviet Union. So before it was banned sometimes and atheism. Uh, mm-hmm. Nowadays, a lot of people and even young people, they are getting religious. They try to read Quran and to know more. You know that um, pure Islam, pure religion, it uh, encourages knowledge mm-hmm. and studying, exploring. Yes. And I think uh, that we should know our history. We shouldn't deny, oh no, we were not pagans. Uh-huh. Because it's not true. Uh, we shouldn't just wear pink glasses and just uh, neglect. <laughs> red, rose-colored glasses, yeah. Yeah, That's like great. we say in Russian. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, should, we, should, in we should realize and be, um, try to be sincere even with ourselves. That's why... Um, Adequate people, adequate uh, religious people, they want to know more and uh, they don't behave like neglecting, denying. And you know that Dagestan is unique about uh, this thing that in our republic there are a lot of nationalities, a lot of religions, and still uh, they are in mixture here. Yes. But usually we don't have conflicts on the religious uh, yes, issues or political or nationality. We try to be friendly and right. still, as I see, we are, we have been succeeding in this. Yeah, I agree. And so, what would you say? And I don't know if you know, but what is the condition of embroidery among Dargin and Kaitag today? Does it follow along? Um, is it is it? Are the is there embroidery that does do animals and pictorial things like like in the pagan past, or is it more in the Islamic style, mm-hmm. or is it mixed? Ah, uh, now nowadays, uh, I've been uh, a few months ago to the center of oh. embroidery, and uh, I attended. Yes, I visited museum and I talked to local uh, women who 
uh, practices these and they uh, show to school girls how to do them. They teach them. They try to keep uh, traditions. And mostly they nowadays, uh, they use uh, natural uh, elements. Okay. Right. Natural geometry uh, and some geometry, uh-huh. something oh. like this, yes. Got it. Mostly, as I noticed, yes, sure. from the embroideries that they showed to me that they have there. Yeah. But they have some old that- ones that they use also animals. You've, you've uh, interestingly honed in here on kind of the Kaitag embroidery, but I think much well-known among the Darkin, Dargin would be Kubachi and Balhar, uh, yeah. the, the crafts of these regions. So can you speak about those? Because those are some of the most famous places in Dagestan right. uh, for kind of the, the handiwork uh, and I think even the preserving of the Dargin culture. So tell us a little uh, about. Uh, uh, first of Bal- all, Balhar, it's a luck. Uh, ah, Balhar is luck. Okay, that's my yes, mistake. Yes, yes, that's yeah, why, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, Balhar, it's not about this, about Kubachi, yes. Kubachi is a unique village. And uh, so before they were called Zirigiran. And they joined not only one village, but a few villages around mm-hmm. them. And still their dialects, they remind Kubachi's language. But later they separated. Nowadays, Kubachi is a big village and uh, still they keep their traditions. And, you know, even nowadays they try not to get married other people Whoa. from other villages because they want to save their tradition, their secret. They don't want to say it. I know a lot of uh, <laughs> Kubachin people and uh, they mm, mostly, uh, they deal with something um, like art. Mm-hmm. Usually they are painters, artists, dentists, because okay. also it's uh, hard work. Mm-hmm. Or they're jewelers. Yeah, they produce jewelry and they uh, yeah, sell it and uh, uh, nowadays, when you go to the village, what I like about Kubachi, that nowadays uh, in the village, all women, uh, they are wearing national clothes. If I go to my village, yeah. of course, I wear some shorts, maybe dress. I don't wear casual clothes like in the city. But anyway, I don't, uh, um, but I don't wear national clothes. But in Kubachi, they wear. Doesn't matter. You can live in the city. But if you're in the village, you uh, wear a special show. It's called Kaz. Uh-huh. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's uh, like white show usually yes. uh, with golden or silver uh, threads. threads. Yep. Yep. So, and it's very, very hard thing to create this. And for a long time, sometimes for a few months, a woman can create this. Mm-hmm. And according to the patterns on this uh, cast, you can define uh, if a girl is married, maybe, or maybe divorced, and some other things you oh, can wow. uh, de- define due to your national poses and show. So that's really nice about uh, Kubachi. Yeah, for and sure. Have- the, the white shawls is very unique to Kubachi. I don't think I've seen that anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, in other villages, we don't have such things. And just uh, uh, so. What- they're wearing their their national dress in a way that makes it more like it's now an everyday dress, you know, everyday clothing, not just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they are walking along the street, yeah, they wear yeah. it like everyday. Are wow. there, is there a revival of other, um, other traditional practices? For example, the, the fetching of the water from wells? Yeah. Or are, are those yeah, yeah. things kind of revived in Kubachi also? Uh, yeah, fetching of water uh, from the spring also uh, it still exists, but mostly, of course, nowadays people they're lazy, <laughs> they're getting lazy, <laughs> and they're civilized, and even uh, 
uh, in uh, some villages uh, very high in the mountains, uh, they uh, use water from the tap sometimes. Sure. So it depends sure. on the host, yes. Mm-hmm. But some girls, they go and fetch water. I tried once. It's really hard to do this. It's, <laughs> wow. it's necessary to be very strong yes. to bring mm. this jug for, with water through the whole village. Sometimes yes. you can live far from the spring. That's wow. why it's wow. not an easy thing. And uh, by the way, uh, one more village I would like to mention. It's Harbuk. 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 It's in the Hadaivsky district. Harbuk. I can write in the chat Mm -hmm. if necessary. Sure. So they are famous uh, as Amaras. You know, um, they create Amar, yes. And there is a legend uh, that uh, with Alexander Makedonsky, there were 100 blacksmiths from Greece. So they were traveling with him to India. Uh, Alexander the and, Great. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Alexander the Great. And they stayed then in Caucasus, in not far from Durban. And these um, uh, Greek people, uh-huh. and uh, they were good blacksmiths. They stayed here and uh, they became the beginning of this village. Wow. So, like roots. So there, it's a legend. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> But nowadays, yes, they still are famous for its uh, uh, armory and weapons. So That's, That makes me wonder. One of the books that you see um, in a lot of the souvenir shops in Dagestan that you can find on Amazon is on armory and weapons. And I'm sure that huh. this uh, would be featured because it's one of the few books that you can find in English readily on a topic from, huh. from Dagestan. Okay, it would be nice to see it. By the way, Imam Shamir, uh, you, you know him, I suppose. Uh, if yes. Is in Dagestan. Yeah. Yes, Imam Shamir, during uh, the war, uh, he also uh, came to Harbuk and he used their uh, armory. Uh, interesting. Because, uh, during Caucasus uh, war, of course, it was necessary to use weapons, to use armory. So... Hmm. This is another famous uh, village. So before the before those things were made in China, they were made in Harbuk. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Man. So. Uh, and by the way, by the way, this village, uh, it's uh, it's quite high in the mountains. That's why it's really hard to get there, and it was uh, never conquered. Uh huh. Yeah. You know that some fortresses, they were conquered in Durban, for example. But some, like Harbuk, uh, has never been conquered. Dagestan really, you know, the North Caucasus region as a whole is very unique and there's a lot of similarities. But specifically in Dagestan, it's like this unending well of information, people, places yeah. that you've never heard of. I mean, you just told a legend about Alexander Great. I've never heard. Uh-huh. You mentioned multiple, like most people who work in tourism, everybody's heard of uh, Kubachi, but you mentioned multiple other places, Harbuk, and then another one, never Gabsh- heard of it. Gabshima, you can... Gabshima, yeah. Yes, we, had a, we had a lock, a lock guest recently who also, he referenced a place in the mountains where they're famous for making a certain thing. Um, it really is just unending in Dagestan. There's so much, it's so unique in each place, what people have to offer. Um, is, is the Dargin region. Can you tell us actually some of the names, the districts that are primarily Dargin? Ah, yeah. 
Uh, so uh, five main Dagin districts, Dakhadaevsky, um, Kaitakski, Akushinsky, Akushinsky, Livashinsky, and Sergakalinsky. Sergakalinsky, uh-huh. Do they run from, do they run kind of from the central, central Dagestan, like the central Caspian coast up yeah, yeah, into yeah. the mountains? So, and Dagu, it means inside also. Right. It uh-huh. translates Dagu inside. Mm-hmm. Because mostly gotcha. they live inside. So in these five districts, mostly Dagen people live uh, from 75 to 100%. Because sometimes you know that uh, in Dagen district, there can be Lak village. Or in every right. uh, district, there can be a sure. district. It's also quite normal. Uh, and uh, in two more districts, there are some Dagen people. Kayaken district and Karubudakken district. Okay. Uh-huh. So Kubachinsky, Akushinsky. Kubachinsky, no, 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 no. You know that Kubachi is in the Khadaevsky district. Ah, Kubachi uh-huh. is just the village; it's not the district. Ah, okay. Kaitakski, Sergakalinsky, Livashinsky, and Akushinsky. Uh-huh. Yeah, Livashinsky, I, you know, uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. I'm always seeing these uh, beautiful pictures from all over Dagestan on Instagram, but. Every other day, I see a district. I have no idea where it is, and just it's dizzying the geography in all these regions. Uh, I really need to learn learn more about where they're located, we, who lives have, where, and we have forty one district, as I remember. Gotcha. Okay. Have you ever been to Dagestan, Andrew? Uh, I have, yeah, and I. I I remember driving through uh, the Levashinsky district, oh. um, but we didn't make it to Kubachi. It was a pretty brief trip that we made, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We came through the Andi region and Kunib and yeah. Yeah, I was, we were invited. District, uh, uh-huh. We uh-huh. were invited to actually record a choir in Levashi. Uh huh. There's a. Like Do you know what they're famous there. for? Levashi. Huh. Do you know Cabbages. what they're famous for? Yeah, sure. Right. They're really famous for their cabbage. Well, our friend told and us that. And we were like, oh, that's, that's funny. And then we turned the corner and there were just fields and fields of cabbages. We're like, oh, they really are famous for cabbages. So, wow. and when even you live here in Dagestan, you don't know some places. Um, uh, two years ago, I, I went to Akushinsky district because I... I've never been there before, oh. and I found out that it's quite cute place. There, I found some waterfalls. One interesting waterfall was in the shape of nose, and it was called Kurkinsky nose. Oh wow! Just <laughs> so like like a nose and water coming from the nose. Not much. Oh, so there's like he had a yes. cold or something. So uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, the thing is that uh, Dagin uh, districts they are not so. Um, Easy to get. I mean, about uh, tra- about roads. Yes. That's why maybe uh, they are not so popular among tourists. I think like that's true. I've, I've only been to a few places in Dargin districts, but another one was a little village called Miosisha or Miosisha. Ah, yeah, yeah. And it also was... in in, in Ushisha, they also create embroideries, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, so, yeah, I I was only there for one for one um, for one day, but um, yeah, it was. Fairly brutal to get to, and the and the guy who drove us was in a you know a little four door Lada, and <laughs> he needed you know a truck, and his car took a beating. But I, but I just thought like, okay, it's not far distance wise, but it's far in effort <laughs> to get to some of these places. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe about kilometers, not long. Exactly. But to get there, it's really hard because. Exactly. 
wrote some like this uh, zigzag, the form of zigzag. And uh, for example, to get to my father's village, I still never been there. I mean, native in the mountains. Okay. It's really hard. You have to get uh, there on foot. But I'm planning to go there wow. soon. Uh, because it's really nice and still uh, you can see there the samples of um, old ancient buildings, oh, how yeah. Duggins created their houses. And uh, also it's such in, in the wildlife also. Oh, yeah. So yes. this leads me to another question for you. I want to know, hear about how you relate to the tradition to like village life you you live in a city and you are are professional and yet you are strongly committed to your language your your nationality your history what kinds of push and pull do you feel with your roots and with the mountain life what takes you back up to the mountains sometimes and what keeps you from living there full time First of all, uh, my first experience when I got to village was when I was only 22 after graduating from university. Before that, I used to live in Staropol territory, not uh-huh. in Dagestan. And when I came here to Dagestan in summer, my mother told me, oh, don't go to the mountains. It's really dangerous. <laughs> my mother is very afraid of mountains, roads. Of course, they're dangerous. You should be careful there. But I always wanted to go there. It was just like... Uh, my roots, they were calling me. Uh, when I was 22, I go to the village and I was um, extremely admired. I understood that mountains, it's the best place for me. And it's where I want to live in future, maybe. Wow. And, um, and, you know, I had such an opportunity to go to the village because, you know, that uh, there is a process of urbanization. And nowadays, a lot of people from village, they go to town, city. That's why they lack teachers and especially English teachers. And I'm an English teacher and they offered to, uh, me to stay there as an English teacher in my uh, village, in neighboring two villages, there were no, there weren't any English wow. teachers. Wow. And there is a program still in Russia, in Dagestan, like for doctors, young doctors and teachers. If you go to the village, you get one million rubles. And oh my uh, goodness. it's like, uh, yes, um, a contract arrangement. Huh. And uh, also in the villages, usually they get higher. Uh, payment salary than in town but the thing was that uh, schools uh, they are very small sometimes in one class there is one student or maybe there are two three very very small class and that's why of course uh, it's no motivation for a teacher Uh, that's why i denied this uh, proposition but uh, all the time when i have an opportunity uh, I try to go to the mountains uh, in Dagestan, the Caucasus, in my local and village and some other villages in other districts too. And I realized that in future, I want to live in the village. And that's how you feel right now. You would like to live in the village. Yeah, I think that in the mountains, there is a special atmosphere and I feel really happy there. And I feel also uh, good, I mean, about uh, condition, health. So, um, so sorry, you mentioned, if I heard you right, you said you have at least one child. You have a, a son. Yes, yes. So, um, what? I, this is really. I, what would it? What would it look like? How would it? How, and, and what keeps you from going right now? Is it needing an economic opportunity to uh, to, to be there? Uh, so. 
first of all, I want to go there later when I have less energy. Still, I have a lot of energy to do a lot of things <laughs> and work. And I have work here and also I deal in tourism and my son has more opportunities living, of course, in town and city. By the way, my son has just come back from the village. He went there to make hay. Do you oh, know what is yes. make hay? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. To help his grandfather and grandmother. They live Ka- there. Kasit. Yes, yes, yes. Just uh, so, so I think. And she said, it's yeah. really hard to work there. <laughs> uh, but I suppose that it's necessary. And it's quite interesting, especially for a boy of his age. He's a teenager. Uh-huh. And um, he sees what is uh, hard work. How uh, villagers they live and uh, he appreciates now life here. After <laughs> from the uh. At the same time, she sees our traditions, that people go together, talk together, help each other, because we have different traditions. Uh, one of the traditions is uh, called bulka. Bulka, it's like helping each other. Uh, mm-hmm. So due to this tradition, Dagestan people, they try to survive. They used to help each other to build a house, to go to make hay, uh, yeah. so to prepare for the wedding. And uh, he should see our traditions in real, not only from books or what I tell him. Yesterday, I gave him audio lecture of a local historian. And he said, oh, it's so boring. I don't uh, want to listen. Interesting. The, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in the real, he has to see uh, how sure. it takes place. All right, so you said that there's a code called Bucha? Bucha, Bucha, tradition. Bucha. Bucha, it's like assistance, help. Yes, assistance. Bucha, like people, yes, stuck together and they help each other. Uh, we have another uh, tradition. It's called like Atalichistva. It's like uh, when uh, a child is given to another family, and stay there for some time, and they share with him their tradition, their language, and uh, also he's brought up in another family. Is that so, still happening? I, I know, I know. Uh, historically, this happened in the Caucasus, yes, yes, yes. but between nationalities, like you know, uh, hundreds of years ago, but it's still happening today. Uh, no, it's not, of course, in such way, but so called. For example, my mother. Uh, she was born. She was the second daughter in the family, and her aunt. She didn't have children at all. And she asked my granny, oh, give me your daughter. I don't have any children. <laughs> so it happens usually between relatives. If one uh, uh-huh. family doesn't have any children and in another family there are many children, so it's quite common to share children, why not? Because wow. in Dagestan families uh, without children, uh, it's not good. Because family, it's uh-huh. based on children. And my mother was given to another family for some time. But she was like a good uh, maybe daughter, because after having her, they got their children. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yes, she was a lucky, yes. And uh, she brought luck to their family. And then later they gave her back to her family. So it's, Wow. Uh, so, yes. Saida, e- Eli and I, we're both uh, really trying hard to emulate Dagestani families. Eli has five children. Uh, I have four in my family. Um, but I don't know how it would go if we talked to our wives about 
lend, lending one of our kids to another family. Well, so it depends on. This is really interesting to consider. Yeah, yeah, it depends on which which child, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can explain, by the way, how why it was. As yes, I know. please. Uh, yeah. You know that before Dagestan um, joined Russia. We didn't have a common language. Yes, right. every nationality right. has its own language, dialect, and people couldn't uh, communicate. And uh, historically, on the valleys in the region of Makhachkala, only Kumik people lived. Mm. Other nationalities, Dagin, Avar, Lag, they lived in the mountains. So that's why uh, some children from other nationalities' families they were given to Kumik families, uh, so that uh, children could uh, learn Kumik language. Because uh, here it was quite uh, common that Kumik language was used uh, here. It was the lingua the mountain, franca. It was well. the trade language. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like in Durban, uh, Azerbaijan, because the influence of Sasanids, Persia, Iran. That's why uh, even nowadays a lot of people in Durban they know Azerbaijan. My parents know. They uh, use this language when oh. they talk to each mm. other. Yeah, in Durban, uh, most people they know it. No, My exactly. parents, uh, so age Man, at least is... nowadays. Maybe. Gotcha. Well, I'm really excited for Concept you to um to, from the central go, to move back up to the to the village someday. I feel like we could make um you know a TV show out of that or something, but maybe you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> It's really fascinating too. Uh, by the way, uh, about villages, uh, in May I visited uh, the highest uh, village uh, in Europe and in Russia, the highest mountain village. Yep. It's on uh, uh, 2,005 meters. Yep. Do you know what's name? Kurush, right? Yes, yes, yes. I visited it at last. It's not Dagen, it's Lesgin. It's in the south of uh, Dagestan. Uh, and I live there in the authentic conditions in local family, <laughs> and I felt how is it uh, to live like that. Was that it was some cute. kind of a program that you signed up for, or how did that come about? No, no, it was ju- it was just uh, my wish to go there. I took my friends, some of my friends, and we went there to see a new place. And the families mm. just let you kind of stay with them. Yeah, by the way, yes, it's quite a common experience for them because some tourists, they visit them yeah, and it's right. a kind of business for them right. to give food, uh, to give accommodation, organize a kind of excursions and such. Hmm. Cool. Uh, Saida, I'm curious. I know that, you know, Mahachkala is such a um, diverse city with pretty much all the Dagestani nationalities there. I know that there are theaters dedicated to specific uh like theater in d- different languages like there's an yeah, Avar yeah. theater a kumwik theater is is there a dargin theater yes dargin theater is in izbirbash uh-huh. it's a city between durban and mahachkala halfway yes so and uh, many dargin people live there uh, wow. and that's why uh, dargin theater is there so what are what's the kind of state of that today? Is it pretty active? What are some of the like performances uh, there? What's happening with that? To tell the truth, I've never visited it alas. <laughs> Maybe mm. I will do it and I will find out myself. I just know that it is there, but I've never been there. As I know, other theaters, they are working. I suppose it also works, but how actively, I actually don't sure. know. Right. Sure. Our other national uh, national theaters, uh, they are giving 
performances in uh, for in not foreign in local languages. But as I know nowadays, also you can use like translator, Ooh, you know, modern technology. That's very Even if you are not Dagen, you can go there, use yes translator, and you can understand what they're talking about. Oh, wow. You are Dagen, you want to go to ever performance, and it's also possible to understand. Man, that's really very I'm, good. I'm gonna do that. That's a great. I'm gonna go grab a. An Alvar show yeah. one night and put on the headphones. Eli, wasn't your, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't your uh, family's so, uh, first excursion uh, this, into Dagestan to Izbirbash? Didn't you guys like do some y- vacationing yes. there? Yes, that's exactly right. The very first time that I came to Dagestan, you, it was to uh-huh. uh, just to check it out because we were really interested and we came in. In the summertime, and we stayed for two weeks in Izberbash. Um, and we went to the beaches, different beaches. We went downtown. We went to boiling hot mud baths. There's like a mud <laughs> pool that bubbles. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it was the hottest I've ever oh, been in my life. Hot. I'm going there. So hot. I'm going there tomorrow. Oh, it is right. painful. I mean, I'm sure it's like fortunes that over you know, like really good for you, but it really was. I could barely move in there. My, you know, it was it was, it was, it was awesome. It's it's great in winter when it's cool ah. and you're in hot. Well, water. and it was a heat wave when we got there. It went above forty for the whole week we were there. We were just like wow. Ah. But um, yeah, I really like. By the way, band. do you know pretty. Pushkin? Of course. Do you know Pushkin? Of course, of course. It's Birbash is famous uh, for its uh, mountain, like uh, yeah, it has the mountain, profile um, of Pushkin. A group of of rocks. Yes, 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 yes. It's called Pushkin oh. Tau. Alexander Dumas, when he was traveling from Mahachkala to Durban, he was the first person who noted that this profile <laughs> reminds exactly of Pushkin. Oh, so interesting! Wow. And we'll also, that- Birbash is famous for its sea. The best sea and beaches in Dagestan. They were people, they yeah. were great. We really enjoyed it. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Well, Saida, you've given us really a fantastic kind of overview of the Dargin people today. Some about the language, some about the history, really what village life is like. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, the handicrafts. We uh, wrap up our interviews with this one question to all our guests. So I'm really curious what. Uh, you would say as a linguist and a, a mom, someone who's lived elsewhere, uh, a tour professional. But if there's one thing you could tell the world about Dagestan, what would it be? Uh, so Dagestan uh, is unique for its density of natural uh, monuments and handicrafts. It's really hard to find anywhere with a huge density of all these uh, unique things. Yeah. In Caucasus, is... in Russia, and in other regions. That is a great suppose, word. It's our word. uniqueness. Yes. That word density is really a great word. When you get a bunch of cultures in one place and a bunch of histories in one place, amazing, surprising, uh, sometimes bizarre things happen and it's and it can be unexpected. And I think one of the joys of experiencing Dagestan is just what you said, Saida, is in one place you have all these cross currents and um you you don't you know you don't know what to expect, but it's full of, of wonderful surprises. I 
appreciate that a lot. Saida, I just want to say thank you. Um, this was really great. I think for our listeners, they, they probably learned a lot. You said a great phrase today. Dagestan is built on history. Mm. And you're right. There's this layer after layer after layer. You can't uncover it all. You just keep uncovering more new things. I, that was what this interview was like for me today. So thank you. Agreed. Thanks for, for inviting. It was so nice to be here with you guys and with your listeners. And listeners, please don't be shy. Leave comments on our Facebook page. Please email us. Check out our website. And as always, if you are excited about what we're doing and want to help us to continue and to grow and to have more opportunity, you can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash caucus talk. Most of all, we would love to see you face to face. So please get in touch with us. We'll get you out to the North Caucasus and you can experience it for yourself. And we look forward to seeing you when you get here.